0: Cause it's a pig A destin it shall you know it
1: will be right cause it's flipping insane. It's just a pack A
2: destin shine more precious than a diamond on a flying machine. In Venice Beach they the system has booted on and podcast named The Pick has loaded. The users are Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and
1: Colin Westman
2: And this week, we will be talking about Tron uh, That's the end of that bit
1: Thank god,
0: I was really afraid that we were going to have to do the whole podcast Talking like the You've Got Mail guy
2: I, I remembered as soon as I started this That you're oh, not a fan of bits
0: Well, not for a whole podcast not a I'm whole not going to talk like some sort of computer man The whole time
2: I understand That's uh, I respect it
0: or talk like uh, Master Control. He's like whoa, 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 super low.
2: God, I'm very excited to talk about Tron with you guys.
0: I'm glad. I know this has been a long time coming that you finally got to to watch all of Tron. Um,
2: but I don't want to get uh, I don't want to overshadow this next segment because it's the first segment mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's the one where we talk about little picks, which are. Just things that have been going on in our lives that we wanted to bring to the party. And uh, if you know me, you know my little pick for this week has got to be Pokemon Shield. The new Pokemon game for Nintendo Switch was released last Friday under a cloud of controversy. Really? Because uh, this latest Pokemon game, the first one on the Switch, so technically the first Pokemon game to be released on a home console. Mm -hmm. I I mean, the first mainline pokemon. Yeah, I get game. what you're saying. Um, has received a lot of cutbacks compared to the last couple games. So it's the first uh, Pokemon game in the series where you can't bring in every Pokemon from previous generations. Well, I mean, there's just so many of them. That seems There's fine. something like 900 Pokemon.
0: Yeah, who has time for that? And How do they fit them all in there? I mean, Unless they're literally just in every... Like, every space you're in is just swarming with Pokemon. Like, they've taken over.
2: And, um... Yeah, I... I, It's been a long time since I ever even thought about completing the Pokédex. Especially because, um... The the method of getting some Pokemon has become, like, a convoluted, like, transfer it from your Game Boy to your DS. (laughs) To your DS... To your 3DS, to your... Fax it to your dad. Yeah, um... But now, literally, you like some Pokemon just won't... You can't use them in the game at all. They're walled off from, from being accessible. Uh, which is unfortunate, because, you know, that's, that's half the Pokemon that aren't in the game. I mean, so, is there
0: anyone good who like, Oh, man, I can't believe they don't have such and such.
2: I'll, I'll say my favorite Pokemon is Poliwrath, and he did not make the cut. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Uh, Hopefully you'll find a Poliwrath equivalent that will have in your there's, heart.
2: There's plenty. Um, also amusingly, the game is set in the Pokemon world's equivalent of the UK, and so people call this the Dexit. Like the Dexit. Po- So what's so they've
0: done like Hawaii? They've done like a Paris. They've done a UK. Is, is that and then a bunch of Japan? Yeah. Have we do? We have we gotten like America yet? Like America? <laughs> I don't. I
2: don't think so. All right. Nothing that's been like cheeseburgers and monster trucks. Cowboys. <laughs>
0: We're just gonna get like Lots Fort
1: of like <laughs> All the Texas. Pokemon get guns
0: Yeah Pokemon with guns How'd he get that gun?
2: Anyway um, I, I definitely see where people are coming from Not liking the Pokemon being cut I also feel like they didn't Justify the cut well enough uh, Because the Pokemon look a lot like They did on 3DS mm. Um, they sound exactly the same. I feel like the sound design definitely is something that needed to be upgraded. It's, uh, it's a huge daunting task, but I'm tired of Pokemon that aren't Pikachu just sounding like Game Boys. Uh, they, they need to address that. Uh, and also it's weird that nobody ever talks. Like everyone is, is silent and there's just word balloons.
0: They do not even do like,
2: oh. Yeah, they don't even do <laughs> like, Whoa. like like,
0: like has, I don't know what Zelda's like right now, but last time I checked, Zelda would do that sometimes. Yeah,
2: yeah. Link has got a very <laughs> massive suite of grunts that they <laughs> employ strategically. Um, but the complaints about this game are obviously just technical complaints and competitive scene complaints. the The core gameplay is still very fun. Uh, a lot of the new Pokemon are very cute uh, or cool or weird in exciting ways. Uh, so, fuck it. You know, it's a Pokemon. It's fun. Having a good time.
1: Yeah, fuck
0: it. Which one do you have again?
2: I have Pokemon Shield. There's, okay. So, there's the the version mascots. There's Sword, where you have a wolf that's like carrying a sword, and Shield, where you have a wolf that's like has a mane that's in the shape of a shield. Oh, cool. And I, I, li- I liked it better as the mane, I think. i don't like it when pokemon carry weapons
0: oh they will on the american one (laughs)
2: yeah they will (laughs) i chose the grass starter and he has two drumsticks that he carries around so competitive advantage i like the
0: way you're thinking (laughs) go for the weapon okay i'll go next um i don't have much this week Uh, i'll go with uh since it, it's so easy to ignore stuff that's not on Disney Plus right now, uh, Netflix added another season of The Toys That Made Us.
2: I got an email about that.
0: And, and if you're not familiar, The Toys That Made Us is uh, that Made Us is a um, like a documentary series they do on Netflix. I think this is the fourth or third season. I think it was the third third season. And every season is four episodes, about 45, 46 sometimes longer episodes, um, forty six minute episodes. Excuse me. And uh, each episode is about a different toy and how they uh, had a big impact on pop culture. And this season was... Uh, they did wrestling toys, they did My Little Pony, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Power Rangers. And I watched the first three episodes, so I haven't watched the wrestling one yet. But it's just as good and informative as it's always been. Uh, the pa- I always love hearing about the origin of the Power Rangers because it's the most convoluted mess of anything. Just... It never should have worked. It's bizarre that someone had the idea to take this Japanese footage and then, like, dub over it and also put in, like, live-action American actors in it and mm-hmm. just all this stuff. And they even use, like, the same models for the toys and everything. is crazy. But it's a huge, huge hit. And Haim Zabon, who's interviewed at length, uh, is just, like, a billionaire. And But, like, he <laughs> risked a lot to make it work. It was, like, people thought he was really stupid. And, like, he went, you know, with. This the whole way and it worked out so it was cool
2: was he a billionaire at the time
0: no he's just a he's just a working working producer guy like he he didn't have any big hits under his belt or anything so no he really uh he really made something of himself with power rangers but i think my favorite episode so far has been the turtles just because uh, i always love hearing about how oh, that came from such humble beginnings with uh, uh kevin eastman and peter laird creating it you know just two friends griffin on daredevil mm-hmm. and uh what's interesting about that is you know they kind of had a falling out um i think around the time they sold the turtles it may even been before that but a time around the time they sold the turtles to viacom um and i think kevin eastman had been bought out of his deal at that point so he screwed out a lot of money and they just they weren't really friends anymore but what was nice in this documentary they even got them to meet up which i don't think they do very often and they're like all very emotional and there's like tears Aww. and they like, they drew, started drawing together. It's very sweet. So it's cool to see that those guys are still friends after all these years. Because um, yeah, that is such a huge, it's crazy that they've re- they have they can just keep rebooting the Turtles and it's always a huge hit. So <laughs> it's good that I can still remain friends among all that. But Yeah, I don't know. If you've ever seen that show, it's not any different from any previous season. It's the same same thing, but it's always fun to get a little, a little of that history. It also feels weird because I feel like Are there any new toy stories happening now? Like, in terms of, like, are there people developing new and hot toys that we're going to hear about in 20 years of the story about that? I just feel like physical toys aren't really a thing anymore. I don't know if that's just because I'm an adult and I'm not paying attention, but I can't remember the last time a toy made a huge cultural impact.
2: Furby? Uh,
1: That's a long time ago, Sean. Fidget spinners?
0: That counts as a toy.
1: I mean, barely. Yeah, <laughs> but like I guess calling a slinky a toy—it's
0: like it's doing not... an episode about a yo-yo. Yeah, yeah it's boring. Uh, Maybe let's
1: do an episode on all the boring toys. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, no. I find that the ones that are like you don't think are going to be good tend to be the best episodes. Like I th- the best episode has still been Barbie because it's a huge dispute over who the actual creator is. <laughs> Also, this season, My Little Pony, there's like well, I created My Little Pony. No, I created My Little Pony. It's a fucking Ooh. mess. It's great. So yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, you will enjoy it. Easy watching.
2: Do they talk about bronies as well, or is that not as big a deal? Because they're just talking Of about course the they boss. had
0: to talk they interviewed like they interviewed a guy and just at the bottom, so tells like brony. <laughs> that just said brony. Yeah. I'm talking about how special it is.
2: They didn't so spend too special. much time on it though. Friendship is magic. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, I also don't have a ton of new stuff to report on cuz I feel like I'm just revisiting a lot of stuff from the 2010s right now as the decade is winding down. Um but as a follow-up to last week's episode, I did watch Tangled and <laughs> just just to compare it to Frozen, I suppose. And I did enjoy it. I don't know if i like it better than frozen i might like frozen a little better just because i like the songs a bit more and the locale though i will admit tangled is uh i don't know a little better from a storytelling standpoint i guess just because the characters are a little more developed and it does humor better (laughs) which we talked about how frozen doesn't always have the best jokes um and especially like for humor and songs i do like there's one song where like a bunch of marauders have a nice little jaunty song in a bar where they sing about how they used to have dreams i don't know i guess i could talk about the story but it's just it's just rapunzel um but like a sort of modern twist on it not really though it's kind of straightforward not that i really remember (laughs) rapunzel that much from when i was a child but uh If anything, the the animation is really good. Like, ugh, looking at those strands of hair, still still looks pretty impressive. Although, I think I read that it was like the most expensive animated film at the time. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now, $260 million. Wow,
0: that's almost as much as cats.
1: I know. That is kind of insane that?
0: on cats cost 300 million dollars Jesus Christ
2: That's like Avengers territory <laughs> And worth it, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, I guess if you're If you're venturing into territories Where you're doing the kind of animation That no one has done before And no one would be insane enough To try to do before It's like It's gonna get expensive
2: Yeah if you're going to make something that would make God himself flinch, you got to spend some money on it.
1: <laughs> Abominations are not cheap. Uh, but yeah, Tangled, it's, a, it's a
2: fun. What is the enemy in Tangled? Like, she gets put in a tower and presumably uses her hair to get a guy up there, and then they work their way down, and then what?
1: Well, the enemy is her... I don't even know what you would call it it's she's basically her mom but she's not because she kidnapped her from her wicked broil- stepmother yeah wi- yeah I suppose that's that's the term I'm looking for anyway she kidnaps Rapunzel because she's all old and <laughs> decrepit and like is able to feed off her youth by being close to her hair so she stays young <laughs> by being in proximity to Rapunzel and her magic life force hair
2: if she cuts the hair off it loses the magic life force um
1: that's what I assumed watching the end of the movie
2: is there a big triumphant hair cutting scene is that what you're implying
1: I don't know if it's triumphant but there is a hair cutting scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's basically like the step mother kidnaps her and traps her in the tower with her and so rapunzel doesn't like know what uh outside life is like
2: good to know well i I wanted to ask some mythology questions because that's a pretty high concept movie and we're going to also be talking about a very high concept film uh in our big pick this week which is tron so if you like i was a week ago are totally unfamiliar with this film and franchise uh, I'll tell you that Tron is a 1982 movie written and directed by a man named Steven Lisberger, who had a, uh, a background in animation. Uh, he actually was working on a, a special called Animal Olympics before this, um, which coincidentally did not get the big release it was owed because jimmy carter protested and boycotted the 1980 uh summer olympics because that was when uh, the soviets invaded afghanistan right so this special that steven lisberger had created to go along with the olympics with a celebrity cast that had employed uh some future animators that go on to have big careers uh roger Ayers, the Lion King guy, oh. uh, Bill Croyer, the Fern Gully guy, okay. and Brad Bird wow. all worked on Animal Olympics, <laughs> uh, and it just it didn't get to actually be aired on NBC. It instead was uh, sort of leaked out on home video and pay TV over the years.
0: Was the uh, cartoon itself politically charged?
2: It didn't sound like it. was like,
0: like it. fuck the Soviets.
2: Uh, it sounded like it was more of a like jokes about the Olympics, but with animal characters instead of humans. I believe it had a somewhat star-studded cast for the a made-for-TV special from a first-time animator. Okay. Uh, it, I, I want to say Billy Crystal and Gilda Radner were wow. in the cast. Uh, so if you want, you can you can look up Animal Olympics because it's it is out there.
0: Uh, what do you mean it's out Of course it's out there out <laughs> where
1: It's in the Disney vault
0: I'm going to look up to see if you can actually watch this thing any- I'm going to say this is actually out there I don't believe you
2: <laughs> This, yeah, I Well from what I read on Wikipedia You can get a, a video cassette Of this and it was on HBO
0: Okay you know that site Just Watch That tells you you can watch stuff It says yeah. oops we couldn't find any streaming offers Strike one It does have Oh Harry Shearer's one Harry Sheer. You're right, Billy Crystal. Maybe somebody put it on YouTube.
2: Anyway, uh, while Steven Lisberger uh, had, had gone through that experience uh, he was also uh, exposed to the video game Pong for the first time and he was blown away by it and, and fell in love with the idea of bringing video games and computer uh, visuals to the big screen and he thought his unique gifts as an animator could make that work and so he began developing tron uh in the in the mid 70s as as his animated film that would be his his, his big hit and and this is how, also how i learned where the name tron comes from do you guys know where the name tron comes from no it's the middle of the word electronic <laughs>
0: what the fuck it's like droid as like android yeah like the last part wow Cool. I did find a place where you can watch Animal Olympics So if you go to um, uh, Archive.org <laughs> Oh slash, nice, the web archive Slash details, slash Animal Olympics You can watch Animal Olympics In uh, like 180p
2: It's like uh, it's like one hour long, right? It is 78 minutes Yeah, that was the other thing I read about it Was that it was going to be aired as like a multi-part special But he had envisioned it As a singular film So Maybe we lucked out. Maybe we get the purest version of Animal Olympics, thanks to Jimmy Carter. Which we don't say enough in this country. Thanks, Jimmy Carter. See, even now, only I'm saying thanks to <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um So, he, he pitched uh, the Tron to a bunch of studios and um, was sold on the idea of making it Part live action uh, during this process, but nobody was willing to buy it uh, until uh, the very last studio he talked to, Disney, uh, agreed to pay uh, Lisberger to make a 30-second a demo. Or I don't, I don't know if it was 30 seconds. A short demo to, yes. to show uh, the uh, the disc action and just to prove that the uh, the technology could work. And from there, they were able to uh, sell Disney on the idea, which was cool because Disney was making nothing but shit at this point, especially the, their live action studio. Yeah, I
0: guess like you think back and you're like, oh wow, Tron. He was, he, this guy, this nobody, this young guy, got to do work with Disney. It's like Disney was like a shitty studio back then. <laughs> like they're they're producing the dregs, like all the worst stuff on Disney Plus right now is mm-hmm. stuff they were making.
2: So yeah, but cool. this was uh, still unique uh, as well because Disney rarely hired outsiders. It was, yeah. it was very much an old-school studio where like they had their people, and those were the ones that made the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually kind of a problem for Tron's production because they tried to bring in animators from Disney to help out, and nobody was willing to do it because it wasn't like a real Disney production.
0: So Lisberger has like, his own guys, right? Because he, he mm-hmm. had his studio. He
2: had his own studio. Uh, and he also brought in three heavy hitters that you guys might have heard of. Uh, the first one is Mobius. Uh, who's the someone, only one I've heard of, but yes, he's someone I became much more aware of after the uh, Jodorowsky's Dune documentary because he was uh, going. He was doing the concept art for that, and he was going to go on and, and do a lot of the production design for that movie. Uh, and then he ended up still making comics with Jodorowsky. Uh, the the Inkle is what that is called, which is a comic I bought like two years ago and still is in shrink wrap <laughs> on my bookshelf.
0: Also, a great run on Silver Surfer in the eighties. Yep, 80s.
2: yep. I, I actually I own that as well. Yeah. Um, he and he worked on movies like Alien and The Fifth Element and The Abyss. So as well. was
0: his uh, was he mostly costumes? Was Costume costumes? design
2: was his main thing. He was also the main set designer on the film. But it sounds like these three guys kind of shared a lot of responsibilities.
0: Yeah. I mean, it had to have a shared aesthetic. I assume you can't have one guy doing the costumes, one guy doing like the landscapes, and then none of it like fits together at all. <laughs> so it's got to all be cohesive. Yeah.
2: Um, so the second guy was Sid Mead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the vehicle designer on the film. And looking through his credits... It totally checks out that I'm into this guy's style because he worked on Star Trek: The Motion Picture, <laughs> Blade Runner, Wow, Aliens, Oof. and Turn A Gundam, which was the second Gundam movie. What?
0: Yeah, like a live action movie.
2: Yeah, uh, well, Turn A Gundam was supposed to be a show, okay, and I, it ended I up. Look
0: this up. I have no idea. You about. Turn A Gundam. It's it's
2: a, it's an animated it uh it's an animated Gundam movie. It was meant to be a new series if i remember correctly and they it didn't work out and so they just did the whole series story as a movie all right okay there also is a live action gundam movie called g savior that is like like, the worst don't watch it it's not for anyone it's it's
0: the next pick (laughs) i have a copy of g savior i can go get it
2: um, and then the, the last of the, of the big artists uh, that they brought in was Peter Lloyd, uh, who I had the hardest doing any research on. Uh, from what I could tell, he was uh, a hugely influential person in the like development of airbrush art, mm. um, which is something that had gotten started, I think, in the 60s, but it was still popular into the early 80s. Um, and he ended up working with a bunch of high-profile clients doing stuff like that. Uh, so I saw National Geographic and the NFL and Playboy and Esquire all hired him to do uh, airbrush art. And he worked on the environments in this movie. He didn't have a ton of film credits, though. Uh, but lots of stuff that, like... Well, they were trying. So the, the list I put together of things he worked on was Star Trek Insurrection... Okay, yeah. The Core. (laughs) Oh, no. The Day After Tomorrow. All right. Sin City.
0: Yeah, okay. That's a good one.
2: Bangkok Dangerous. (laughs) Oh, no. And Drag Me to Hell.
0: Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of up and down. Yeah. (laughs) Mostly good. That's cool. Uh, I don't don't know if we're going to get into it, uh, but I... uh, there's a, uh, if you watch this movie on Disney+, Plus, there's also a cool 17-minute uh, featurette with Steve Lisberger and his son going through the Disney archives and looking at a bunch of photos. And one of my favorite things, because um, I don't know when we're going to get an opportunity to talk about this, was how um, when they're doing the costumes, they uh, did intricate Sharpie designs mm-hmm. on, uh, on the outfits, and then they paint over that. That's one of the most interesting things to me about this movie, is how they filmed the Tron actors in black and white. And they basically using rotoscope technology just like painted over them with mm-hmm. the with the blues and the yellows and i thought that was really cool and i'm not sure who uh if that's just lisberger's whole team or who gets the credit for that maybe Steve lisberger himself but yeah i just wanted to get out there that's a really cool effect
2: yeah we were trying to put together how exactly they did it and and that's as far as john and i got <laughs> they they filmed it in black and white and then they animated on top of it um, but it's a very distinct look uh and, and yeah, we, you got to give this movie credit for that. If nothing else, it's fun to look at a lot of the time. Um, and even though the computer graphics have aged a ton, there's st- b- between these four people, there's so much style here that I don't think it's ever hard to look at or goofy in a way that a lot of 80s and 90s CG animation is. I mean, this is not the lawnmower man.) <laughs> yeah, no. no
0: complaints for design for this movie. It was a very ambitious um, piece of art in that respect. but we'll get into uh, some of the story and characters and all that. That's where I uh, I don't know. I'm a little less generous. <laughs> yeah,
2: so Yeah, some other elements are pretty dated. But that was yeah, that was about all the background information I was able to gather. Uh, I can tell you that the movie was a moderate box office success and also a sort of mixed critical success as well. Uh, But uh, Siskel and Ebert both gave it four stars and thumbs up on the show. So that's got to be worth something, right?
0: Sure. I'm, I'm trying to look up the box office information. Oh, no wonder it didn't do so hot. It opened up... The same. Oh, I don't know if this is the same weekend, but it got beat out by E. T. That could have been like the fifth Oof. week of E. T. For yeah. all I know, though.
2: I think the Secret of Nim was also around that time too.
0: Uh, I don't know. What did E. T. Anyways, it it said, look, they opened at number two. Right, now, right after E. T. Right ahead of Rocky Three, <laughs> Firefox, Poltergeist, Annie, Star Trek Two, Blade Runner, The Thing. What a What a July. Yeah. (laughs) If you like sci-fi, you're in heaven, man. You're nerding out. Nerdgasm. Nerdgasm and all over every auditorium, man. You could walk in one room and watch Star Trek II and walk into Blade Runner and The Thing and Tron and (laughs) E.T. Holy shit. And then go watch Porky's. (laughs) What a time to be
1: alive
2: putting the gasm in the orgasm mm-hmm. um so y- you guys ready to try to take this thing apart
1: kevin flynn computer genius <laughs> taken prisoner and held captive within the digital world of the computer itself Trapped inside an electronic arena where love and escape do not compute.
0: I know Colin is.
1: Oh, yeah, sure.
0: Colin took studious notes, he knows everything (laughs) about Tron. Uh. Con, uh, before we get into it, what was your experience with Tron before this? Did you have any history with it? Had you seen it?
1: Um, I hadn't. The first time I had ever heard of Tron is I saw an ad for it for the like special edition DVD release of it in an issue of GamePro Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to cater to the gamers of 2002, I guess. <laughs> Uh, and I just remember there was a quote on the ad that said uh, There would be no Toy Story without Tron And I guess that's true to a certain extent
2: I, I think John Lasseter actually said that Yeah so I, Maybe, maybe I, it
1: was his quote I, don't know. I assume it was a I critic, think I,
2: But I probably didn't know who John Lasseter was at the time I, I'm pretty sure I read that he had said that Because he was talking about how seeing that many computer effects that much computer generated imagery inspired him in the potential in that technology
1: hmm. all right uh, but otherwise yeah i didn't i had never seen it you know i knew of its reputation they made that sequel that i didn't see <laughs> you guys I remember know.
0: that you guys remember that great joke on the simpsons uh, episode of the Trails of Horror where they go into the uh the Homer goes into the CGI environment, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What's it like?" And he goes, "Well, d- did anybody see that movie Tron?" And everybody goes, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> yes, I, I mean, no. <laughs> I feel like that was my first experience with Tron, and then Sean and I uh, tried to watch it as kids, and I thought it was boring and turned it off. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I did finally see it. About ooh, I don't remember when it was Four years ago All I know is I was reading Ready Player One The movie is not out This is years of four And I was in a video game mood So I was like let's watch Tron So my brother and I watched Tron
2: I'll, I was going to save this discussion point for the end But how do you think this movie compares to the Ready Player One movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, in what way? Like, which one's better? Which one would I rather watch again? Or, like, uh. Those are the main two things okay, I'm wondering. Uh, well.
1: It's really hard I... to compare because one's a movie that's, like, <laughs> using the very limited amount of computer animation available to, I don't know, to to as good of a, an extent as it could. And then another one just can go buck wild with everything. <laughs> imaginable and it's like did it need to i don't know
0: it's tough because i think even though it's it's really not a great movie i think i do like ready player one more but uh, i i have so much respect for tron do being something so different and i think like i don't know like the fact that it is so different maybe it's part of the reason that i don't think it all entirely works because they're kind of They're just, you know, going totally off the deep end and trying something super ambitious, and you got to respect that, even if it doesn't always, you know, even if they don't always connect all the dots. Like just for the fact that it is something so uh, unique, I think that makes it pretty special. Yeah, I mean, it it pushed the art form.
2: Ready Player One didn't push anything. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) If anything, it took a lot of steps back.
2: Yeah. So. I've been thinking about that Martin Scorsese essay that he wrote about superhero movies I'm and why he doesn't cranky. like them. Yeah. <laughs> and in that he talks about um, the movies he likes are the ones that are the vision of an artist who is willing to take a risk. And um, even though the rest of that piece talks about like the distinction between like these theme park movies and actual cinema, um, I think that quote sort of puts me in the camp that tron actually has some artistic merit to it that uh, not a lot of movies like it do because these were people who were fascinated by this whole nerdy world that like at this point in time i'm sure most people were like computers i'd rather use a typewriter uh and <laughs> or or what are this guy or they're just like it's for nerds or it's for nerds or it's for kids who play games at the arcade get out of my home uh and and for someone to try to bring that um very clicky world uh to the mainstream in such a overwhelming and ambitious way it's definitely laudable that said it might be more boring than ready player one is (laughs)
1: probably I mean, I would assume that they were thinking much less about how the movie would work from a storytelling perspective, mm-hmm. and probably weren't focusing on the script as much as they were focusing on, you know, conceptualizing how the movie would look and whether it would even actually all hold together. Uh, so yeah, it, it it does kind of try your attention because they clearly. Didn't really piece together a super well thought out story to go with the visuals, which are quite striking still.
0: Also, Tron doesn't even have battle toads, so
2: yeah. That was another thing. When I was a kid, I thought Tron, like all the games from Tron, were like real games that they had. Mm.
0: I thought it was a game that got turned into a movie. Yeah, because <laughs> it did have some pretty prominent arcade adaptations that were well liked. Mm -hmm. following the movie
2: and they they did such a good job thinking out basic game concepts that would work
0: they they feel like real games it's not like when i watch movies where they make up a fake video game someone's playing in the background i'm like that's bullshit that would never be a real game that's (laughs) terrible these all feel like real games that could have been games back then Mm -hmm. i mean so much so that they could actually make them after they made the movie Mm -hmm. so uh let's let's talk about it let's get into the story a little bit This movie begins in a very – I was surprised how quickly we're, we're, like, introduced (laughs) into the Tron world. This really feels like the kind of movie where it starts in live action. You kind of get a feel for people on the outside, and then they get, like – they go into the world of Tron. But right off the bat, you're showing the world of Tron, like, the the spectacular and the mundane aspects of it. And I actually don't really like that very much. But I feel like, Sean, you're pretty excited that, like, oh, right, we're already in it.
2: Yeah, I, a big concern of mine was that this was going to be, like, CGI was so expensive and so hard to do that they would minimize it and have a lot of real-world bullshit weighing the movie down. And I was so happy to find out that that definitely was not the case. Mm-hmm. There's Almost the entire movie is set in cyberspace, whatever we're calling it. Oh, yeah. Um, But another thing is, in screenwriting, they talk about how you have to hook people in in the first 10 pages, which roughly translate to the first 10 minutes. So I rewatched the first 10 minutes of Tron, (laughs) and I want to try to (laughs) cover all the shit that they do in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Okay. So the movie opens up this cool light display that changes into a cityscape. So we're, like, we're going down from a macro level to uh, a helicopter point of view, maybe. And then from that, it fades into Flynn's Arcade. And from there, it goes to a specific arcade machine. And then it's the screen of the arcade machine. And then it goes into the game itself. And you watch two light rice, light light cycle light racers cycles, yeah. um, racing each other. hmm I mean, just a weird thing here. The good guys are in yellow, and the bad guys are in blue, even though I feel like later on all the good guys were blue. And the bad guys were red. And bl- <laughs> But whatever. <laughs> um, I also, just as an aside, uh, Bruce Boxleitner was not the the body type that they were imagining for Tron. Yeah. Um, the, throughout, throughout the whole production, but until they cast the part, they were thinking he would be a huge bodybuilder type character like Conan the Barbarian oh yeah Arnold's Tron yeah um and uh, and they even I think in that thing we watched they talked about how it was kind of weird that the two male leads are physically very similar to each other and with all the effects on it it becomes kind of hard to tell which one's Tron and which one's Flynn
0: there could have been one difference I heard (laughs) that uh, uh, Jeff Bridges had quite the bulge that they had to tape down a little bit so uh (laughs) It would be great if that was the thing that distinguished him from other characters. He just had this huge, massive crotch bulge, <laughs> like David Bowie and Labyrinth. Ooh, that's got to be a pick sometime. Ooh, you know, good bulges. So this podcast is all about.
2: Oh yeah, so that's if it's about anything, it's the bulges. The bulges. Yeah, I mean, we that's used gonna to be, host that's gonna be a podcast a
1: called Pitching Tents. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll have, we'll have a nice bulge. You
1: know what it's about, yeah.
2: So yeah, so we went from very high up to city to place, to arcade game, to in the arcade game. Yes. As soon as the blue racer takes out the orange racer, we do a smash cut to a CGI battleship floating through space. And f- throughout the entire movie, I'm like, where the fuck is this battleship? What is it floating? It's just around. Yeah, it's just around. <laughs> Inside of that, we see Sark, who's now in red, but before he was racing. He stands in a ring of light that lights up around him. And he hears the uh, disembodied voice of the main control program uh, telling him that he's got another worthy challenge coming up for him. We cut from there to two red guards escorting an overweight blue program <laughs> named Krom who's talking about how he's he's just a business program. He's interested in compound interest. Uh, he's not an athlete. And the guards are like, sure, sure, sure. You look like you're in great shape. <laughs> I love how there's nerd programs. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because all the programs are nerd programs. But for whatever reason, this guy like is a nerd. Uh,
0: Sean, Sark's a command program. That sounds pretty serious.
2: So it's Clue, I guess. Yeah. Um. So Kram is put in a jail cell where he meets Ram, another program, who explains that Master Control has started uh, absorbing programs that he finds useful and uh, de-rezzing programs that can't, he can't Why can't absorb. they just say delete?
0: <laughs> I feel like they'll take every opportunity to try to make it sound more co- like computery, even though it doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, it's just a new term they made up. To Confuse people, it's because
0: people didn't know anything about technology or computers back then. So you hear de resolution, you're like, Oh, that sounds serious. Yeah, but you know, today, I think like, what they're like gonna make them like in 180p, like what?
2: So, in all, so just as we're getting used to being in this cyber world, they put in big pink letters on the screen, Meanwhile, in the real world, and they cut to <laughs> Jeff Bridges playing Flynn, who I think he must have just gotten out of the shower or something because his hair is slicked back. got a real jerry curl going. <laughs> he's got a jerry curl for some reason, even though he never <laughs> does for the rest of the movie. And he's in a kimono. I didn't notice this the first time.
0: That's probably Jeff Bridges' actual clothes. Yeah, he probably just he showed did. up
2: to set like that. <laughs> and, and he is typing away on his computer. And so we're just there for a second, and we go back into cyberspace because Jeff Bridges is talking with a program that's also Jeff Bridges yes. called Clue yes. who's in a tank <laughs> and this part is weird because what, what we find out is that this is uh, Clue is trying to break into the master control mainframe to steal evidence Yes. but the way it's represented is identical to a game that exists in this world that also Flynn is really good at playing Yeah. So it's like, did they? Why is it the same thing? If it's also just a game, because everything else is a game, right? Like the the flying disc stuff is a game. The highlight thing is a game. Yes. Why is the tank actually like hacking? I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, this is the funniest representation of hacking I've ever seen in a movie. That hacking is a guy basically controlling a tank.
2: <laughs> and and the way they present it is Jeff Bridges is like having a dialogue with him. He's like, "Clue, you're my best programmer." And, and Clue's like, "Yes, sir. Right, where did it work for you, sir?" Like it's it's not at all like he's barely typing. It's not like your stereotypical hacking scene where it's like, oh they're they're trying to block me out. They're putting up firewalls. He's just like cheering on his little robot buddy. <laughs> um, and uh, and Clue ends up crashing his tank, and he screams in a hilarious way. It's very over the top Also his friend Bit flies away And Bit will come back later But I don't know why I don't know why Bit is in this movie
0: It's like a floating ball or something? Or? Yeah,
2: it's just a floating ball that goes Yes and <laughs> no
0: <laughs> Classic character
2: Because it's a Bit, it's, it's binary It's going to either be a 1 or a 0 Oh my god, I love Bit <laughs> Yes love character.
0: I want to get a Bit plush he you tells Bit to run that away. That and it goes,
2: yes, 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 yes.
0: Tron, Bit, Plush. Just seeing if that exists. Smash
2: cut. Clue's captured. He's thrown up against a wall. You hear Master Control talking about who his user is. Uh, but Clue won't tell. And so he gets derezzed. Oh, my God. Shocking. <laughs> Another smash cut. Black helicopter lined with red neons flying through this massive urban sprawl towards the only skyscraper apparently in the entire city. Super cool. I love this helicopter. You guys remember this helicopter?
0: Yeah, because it's night and it's got like red lights all over. It's yes. very much designed like something in the Tron Yeah, world. It's, it's a
2: nightcopter. Night um, and this is... Oh, were you going to say something? <laughs> uh, I, I
1: kept wrestling with like is this supposed to be the future i assume it is but it never quite feels like it takes place in the future because it feels so 80s and they don't do like that much to make you feel like it's the
2: future i guess other than well. it's it's very it seems like it's like what if it's today but also the technology was way more advanced but it more. doesn't feel
1: like the technology is way more advanced cuz they have scenes where they're like walking by a bunch of giant old computers that probably store like 10 megabytes
2: yeah but also they have a laser that can turn an orange into a digital That's orange true. <laughs>
1: couldn't do that in 1982
2: I think the real world is interesting in this movie because they make it seem very big at least the corporate part of the real world um, later when you see Alan like standing up at his cubicle you see that the 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 desks just go on infinitely yeah. it's a very cool distance. map
0: painting and they had a similar effect when uh we'll talk a little bit about him soon uh dillinger also played by david warner has like this really cool uh, view outside of his um, windows it's also a neat, neat map painting yeah. of the city just
2: flat-ass city <laughs> <laughs> with his uh, lone skyscraper just looms over everything it's great um and yet when, he, when Alan gets in the elevator, there's like three buttons. It's like Laser Lab 1, Laser uh, Lab 2. Laser
0: Bay 2. <laughs> and yeah, we found out, Colin, this is amazing, that they actually filmed this, uh, like uh, some of that stuff in the uh, more industrial looking computer area in the la- uh, real world in an actual laser facility. Wow. Yeah. So it probably actually was called Laser Bay 2. They probably <laughs> didn't need to add that. <laughs> I don't know what a laser facility does exactly, but that's, that's what it looks like, and that's awesome. Points for Laser Bay, too.
2: Hello, points. So, yeah, at this point in the movie, we, we do meet um, Dillinger. He's the one who was in the helicopter. He comes down to his spacious office, which is dominated by this massive black desk that's also a terminal for master control to communicate with him and fortunately for us master control does a text-to-speech so we're able to to hear him out loud we don't have to read the the stuff he's telling dillinger Um, but basically uh, master control tells dillinger that someone was trying to hack into his mainframe and that they should cut off access to him uh, to make sure that no one can get in which Pisses off Alan, who is uh, employee at the same company, the guy in a cubicle who's working on a program called Tron.
0: This is Bruce Boxleitner.
2: Bruce Boxleitner, uh, who he was getting ready to deploy Tron to help make the the uh, I guess mainframe more secure, but he's not able to do it because he has his access cut off. So he goes down to the laser lab that we were talking about, yeah. and that's where we get to see a scene of. These two people.
0: um, There's there's, uh, Laura. Laura and. And and Gibbs. Played by Barnard Hughes from The Lost Boys. Yeah, there you go. Very entertaining old man actor.
2: And they apparently are digitizing that orange for the first time. They take a real orange and turn it into something that's on their screen on the computer. And there's nobody around except for them and alan who claps a little bit and they don't seem to even be that like proud of it they're like yay we did it uh, Let moving on let's talk about something else but just seems, another
0: day in laser bay just yeah,
2: like an amazing breakthrough that's <laughs> pretty underplayed uh the whole yeah just the the real world just seemed very desolate i i guess they didn't have a lot of actors i like really. that about it though
0: i like that aesthetic
2: it's a cold bleak world
1: yeah <laughs> I mean, I kind of also got the idea that they were all doing this sort of after hours. Yeah. So it's just like this big empty building that I assume is bustling during the day, but we'd never know.
2: And so Alan tells Laura that he lost access and he thinks it was because someone was trying to hack into Master Control. And they talk about how they hate Master Control and Laura realizes, oh, it's probably her ex-boyfriend, Flynn trying to hack in because he's always up to no good. So they, to go, they decided to go visit him. I think that's roughly the first ten minutes of the Jeez, movie. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Holy shit, you guys! Uh, yeah. Um, does that does that make you hooked? Do you think? Would you scale that back maybe a little?
1: I do feel like this movie doesn't go out of its way to make uh like the the world of. <laughs> computers more accessible to a mainstream audience which maybe is why it wasn't like a huge hit or anything but you also kind of have to respect it on that ground at the same time too
0: it's funny because i even wonder if that world of computers that steve lisberger is showing people even made sense like it definitely doesn't make sense now with how much we know about computers but i wonder like and I'll talk about this at some point a little later. Like, so often this movie is hard for me to. Like, I'm constantly asking myself, like, what is this supposed to be a parallel to? What does this represent? Like, mm-hmm. is this. Am I supposed to take this as an actual, like, parallel metaphor for, like, uh, the computer world? Or is this just a fantasy world that has some computer elements to it? Like, I would love to know the kind of research that was put into this or how much Steven Lisberg knows mm-hmm. about computers because. When we watched that 17 minute featurette He still calls the internet cyberspace (laughs) Any person that calls it cyberspace You feel like maybe doesn't know As much about computers as you'd think
2: And the interesting thing is They must have employed A lot of people that know a lot about computers If they're If they're going to be the vanguard of Computer animation Yes. So somebody involved in this knew what's going on I
1: I did read that I, I don't really know who this is, but his name's Alan Kay. He seems to be a well-known computer scientist. He was used as a consultant on the film. So... Okay. At least some expert in there, in the mix. So that I know.
2: But there's so much vagueness in the terminology they use that I... I really gave up on on doing what John was trying to do, finding those corollaries between what things like where they are in a computer and what the programs are and the relationship and and all that stuff. It's just it's too weird. It's too complicated to even try to sort it out. Especially as like Colin said, the movie is not particularly interested in explaining things. I I feel like if this movie was made now, and maybe it's a problem that Tron Legacy has. They would stop, you know, they, they, they make a point of having an outsider character who could be like, wait a minute, what's this thing all about? Or
0: you could have, yeah, you'd have that guy asking, and then you'd have Bit, he'd show up again, because he's my favorite character. <laughs> Except now Bit is like, got lots of bits, so he can explain uh, lots of stuff. Mega Bit. And they get like a great celebrity, like Patrick Stewart's bit, and he explains everything. <laughs> I'm creating a better Tron movie. Yeah,
2: but that much exposition is even more boring. Maybe and, and does it matter?
0: Well, I don't know. It was I I constantly felt distracted and detached from the movie because I was always asking, <laughs> well, "What's this? What's going on here?" So I don't know. I guess it depends on the person. It's hard to watch in a modern context. I feel like this is an e- easier movie to appreciate back when uh, all this was fresh.
2: I I just I think there's also a sensibility to, especially in the '70s and '80s animated films that aren't made by disney where they are shoestring budgets and like things got cut out that were probably important and the 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 storytellers just went with it and like well people will figure it out or just go with it Mm -hmm. and i kind of like that i kind of like when it feels like there's like this world is thought out and has rules and history and more than you could possibly know and only the creators know it and you just get a little sneak peek into into that whole thing over the course of whatever you're watching Yeah, uh, I think even the first Star Wars had that going for it where nowadays nowadays that sort of thing pisses people off obviously because they're like oh well, where'd the First Order come from how did it exist if the Empire fell I think it's more fun when it's just like they bad and we know and you don't and that's okay
0: yeah, that's true. Maybe I'm too conditioned to uh, how movies are made a... today and just how people consume movies today.
2: Just, just a modern man.
0: Free, free my mind, and the rest will follow. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Let's talk about Flynn's arcade, okay? Yes. Uh, so Flynn, uh, we find out, was a former, um, um, uh, I guess, employee at Encom.
2: Mm-hmm
0: and now he has a super sweet arcade like on the corner uh, in, in the city and like he lives above it and it is like a fucking club it is the coolest place in town i assume they serve alcohol there too as much kids running around and uh, he's just like killing it on that game uh, where you where you fight the the flying robots which is just like what the tank was fighting in, in then the in the tron world
2: I think that's called Matrix Blaster. Matrix Blaster. I'm not 100%. Yeah, they get some
0: of the names. Oh, there a...
2: Space Paranoids, Space Matrix Paranoids. Blaster, and Vice Squad are the three games he names.
0: And this is also the portion of the movie where we learn why Flynn keeps trying to get into the computer world. Mm-hmm. And if I recall correctly, he had designed all these games. And then uh, Dillinger, who also worked at NCOM, stole them from him and uh, took credit for them and now Flynn to to prove that he created these games has to go into the the computer world and, and i guess unlock that information cuz it's been locked away by Dillinger and, and master control
2: yeah and that that's also another like leap of faith you just have to take cuz you'll what you see at the end of the movie is they print out a piece of paper they print out a
0: piece of paper that has like copyright dates and stuff yeah
2: <laughs> and it's like well you could have just printed that anywhere but uh, it works out, so... Something about it.
0: Yeah, that was... I, that was a little disappointing. I, mean, I, I wish they could have been, like... I, I This is confusing, because I guess the internet doesn't quite exist like it... Or, like, it sends, like, a, a, a message to, like, the government or something to explain, or, you know... The patent office gets a message <laughs> via computer that, oh, these were actually created by such and such. Yeah. Not just a printed piece of paper...
2: The ending is extremely rushed. I don't think they want us thinking about it. <laughs> as slow as the middle of the movie is, that ending is there and gone.
0: Okay, so Alan and Laura come to Flynn and they cook up some sort of plan. So here's the plan. Okay.
2: Alan can use Tron to stop Master Control from stopping <laughs> Flynn from getting into the system and getting the uh, the copyright information to prove that Dillinger plagiarizes games. yeah. And Laura is there because she also has access and they need multiple people with access. And also, she's just invested. She's just a good friend. You know, it's a nice dynamic. She's bringing her old boyfriend and her new boyfriend together to do some great corporate espionage.
0: But, man, Flynn is just so much cooler than Alan. Yeah. Alan, like you're saying, Sean, he just he's just Clark Kent. Yeah, he's he's Clark Kent if he never became Superman. Though I guess Tron is kind of like Superman, but I don't know. Tron's kind of lame.
2: But like Flynn, like (laughs) takes his shirt off and stuff when they're hanging out. He sure does. Alan doesn't do that. He sits around in a kimono drinking, (laughs) hacking. And his his apartment is the is the second story of an arcade. Yeah. It's his. It's called Flynn's Arcade, and it only plays the One Journey song on loop because that's the other song they have. Oh yeah, Colin, did you watch all the credits? Uh,
1: no, I did not.
0: At the very end of the credits, there's a Journey song that plays. That's super sweet. Cool. I think it might have been an original one for the movie. Yeah, I
2: think that's what you said. They right? uh,
0: they originally wanted Supertramp to do a song for the movie, and they backed out. So, but they have some sweet Journey song that plays at Flynn's, and then at the end credits, it's pretty sweet so uh, that should be something that plays at the end of this, uh, of this podcast if you can remember what it's called <laughs> it's rocking it's rocking stuff so they're gonna they go to NCOM in the middle of the night
2: mm-hmm. the only obstacle they run into is a security guard and they just say hey and the security guard's like okay hey and <laughs> they just keep walking
0: I mean it's just a big facility full of
2: lasers it's just a big room. empty facility with one security guard and a, a CEO who's always in his own office so, he it's not a big there.
0: deal. <laughs> Doesn't seem like he's ever in any other room. Yeah, he's pretty much there the whole time. I wondered
2: time. if you see him on the roof getting out of the helicopter. Yeah, or I think you do. Or do they just cut?
0: I think, you know, you see him get out. But anyways, uh, so they're going there and um, Flynn's going to log on to, to one of the computers and do what he needs to right, do. Right,
2: because uh, Laura gives him access on her Computer, which is in the laser room, while Alan and Laura go off to uh, his computer so they can deploy Tron.
0: Right. And Master Control ain't having it. Master Control. Pissed. Is but Splinter's so like, you're a bitch. It's <laughs> like mocking
2: him. Yeah. But Master
0: Control, I guess, can he has control of a lot of things
2: mm-hmm.
0: and takes control because for some reason someone put the laser, the big laser that sends things into cyberspace, right in front of a chair. Mm hmm. In front of a desk so as he's uh, trying to do his stuff on the computer master control shoots a laser at flynn and uh i guess digitizes him into the world of cyberspace and i'm not gonna lie i'm a fan of this effect it's pretty cool
2: i am too it's one of my favorite effects in the whole movie
0: he's kind of like frozen in place falling back in his chair and like a grid pattern kind of goes over his body and then uh, parts of them start disappearing like one little bit at a time one, like
2: they're doing like lines like like a printer would print yeah like a
0: printer <laughs> he's, rever- he's being printed into cyberspace
2: um, and then after that they do this cool like tunnel like he's getting sucked in POV sh- t- 2001 stuff. very 2001 <laughs> or the matrix uh, it's awesome stuff and that's when Flynn uh, wakes up inside cyberspace you remember what happens next, Cole?
1: I don't. Uh, mo- <laughs> most of the movie from here on out is a blur for me. <laughs> so you,
0: you just checked out when they got into cyberspace.
1: Um, I mean, I didn't check out. I just like a. a it's just a lot of shenanigans.
0: It is a lot of hijinks in it, like. Adventures. It all
1: kind of blurs together for me, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I remember Flynn being apprehended. I don't. Remember how or how immediately that happens?
2: It just happens immediately. Just happens
0: immediately. Also, I don't like that some of them have togas on, <laughs> like it's some sort of Greek Coliseum where they play games. I thought they looked incredibly stupid. You know, they're just trying to hide that bulge.
2: For me, the the I mean, obviously, yeah, it's all about that bulge. But for me, the ones that look the most silly are the generic security guards, <laughs> where they're wearing like huge like football pads and then they just have like leotard pants it's like
0: it's like when you try to build a robot out of cardboard boxes (laughs) they look really blocky and stupid uh
2: and then i feel like they never display as much character as they do in that first scene with the the nerd program we're like sure pal you're another religious fanatic and all that The, the the rest of the guards are just generic guards they're like we're taking you from point a to point b yeah and they look so silly um, so Flynn is captured, and he doesn't quite understand what's going on. Obviously, because we don't, as an audience, and <laughs> we've been following a lot more than this. Um, but the the first thing he does is, uh, or I guess I should say the master control tasks. Um, s- s- sark, Scrum? Sark. sark, Sark. I had it. I had not I lost it. He tasks Sark with, with defeating Flynn, and he tells him that he's a user. And Sark's like, whatever, we can still take him out. And so he puts him in this um highlight game with Crom, our nerd program. And this is sweet. This
0: is a pretty inventive game. Colin, do you want to explain this game?
1: Um, So, it's... <laughs> like, they got little highlight racket things yeah Mm -hmm. and they're so they're they're scooping the ball up but they're like throwing it at the ceiling so it bounces down at the other player so it's a little like pong but they're also standing on these platforms that are circular and have like rings that they're composed of and when one Mm -hmm. of the balls hits one of the rings the ring disappears so if the person's on that ring when it gets hit they'll they'll fall down Which which happens to whatever that nerd guy's name is? Crom. Crom. Yeah. It's a game of death. It's
0: very inventive. It's pretty suspenseful. I love it. And it also
1: feels true to uh, you know early eighties video games because it's incredibly simple.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I like it because Flynn's like kind of having fun with it. He's kind of scared, but also kind of having a good time because we've, we saw earlier he's like the ultimate gamer yeah it's all on the wrist he says. <laughs> he knows what he's doing uh, but he doesn't want to kill Crom but it doesn't matter. he gets derezzed when he's defeated in the game by uh, or Krom. I think Sark is the one that derezzes him maybe maybe it's not actually Flynn.
0: yeah no Flynn can't do it and Sark so they, like they make him drop anyways like they press a button. Oh and one more thing before we say goodbye to Crom this is uh, just a little fun fact on the side. I didn't realize that the actor who plays Crom, his name is Peter Jurassic. That's an awesome name.
2: So Wait, is it spelled like?
0: Uh, no, it's no C, but it's a K. Jurassic. Um, it's close. It's pretty close. I'll take it. But uh, so so Bruce Boxleitner, aside from Tron, is most famous for being the the star of Babylon Five. Peter sure. Jurassic was also on Babylon Five as that dude with like the weird like peacock like hair in the back. You know what I'm saying, Sean? You'd know the character if you saw him. It's just crazy that these two guys from Tron were both on the nerdiest sci-fi show of all time. <laughs> uh, Peter Jurassic played Londo Malari on on Babylon Five. To me, he's one of the most instantly recognizable Babylon Five characters because wasn't that about like space politics on a space station?
2: Yep, something like that. So it's just
0: cool to me that this uh, this guy who seems like just some fat nerd extra in Tron uh, has a Wikipedia with a photo and has been in other stuff. So, uh, you know, props <laughs> to Peter Jurassic. He was a great. He did a great job as uh, as um, Pathetic has, nerd who dies. He first. only has two uh, movie credits since Tron, but a lot of TV.
2: Do you remember the next game, Colin?
1: No, I don't. Unless they're on the speeder bikes after this. It is. I, it, oh, okay. It's the
2: light cycle match. Yep. I feel
0: like there's only one other game that we kind of see, but Flynn never plays it. I don't even know if it's a game where Tron's just defending himself with his. Memory disc thing, right?
2: He, yeah, I don't, I'm not
0: sure if the people like throwing shit out. He's like blocking it. I'm not sure if that's actually a game.
2: <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, they explained that his disc is not only a weapon, but it's an information disc, which comes in handy. Yeah, everything you
0: learn in cyberspace goes into your disc. Kind of I
2: forget the context of that scene though. Yeah, I do. I don't remember him being surrounded by. It's like there's crawling over there. He's like,
0: oh, oh, he's like defending himself. It's
2: but like, he's, but he's been captured, right?
0: Yeah, it didn't sound like he was competing because most of the guys that are competing are deemed useless programs. Mm -hmm. But Tron is a very useful... he's a security program. It seems like they're just trying to keep him prisoner. I mean, I guess you'd want to kill him unless you're going to keep him around and turn him evil. I'm not really sure what the plans were with Tron, if they're just going to keep him in prison forever or if he was competing in the games or what.
2: I wish I could remember the context of the scene because it's important. It's memorable because that's the part. Where uh, where Flynn is watching him and Ram says, That's Tron. He fights for the users. Which is like the iconic line from the movie.
0: Really? I didn't think there were any
1: iconic lines.
0: <laughs> well, if
2: there is one, it's that one.
0: Well, I can't think of another line, so I guess it's going to have to do...
2: End of line.
0: Oh, uh, end of line, yeah. End of line.
2: So yeah, they... Um, Flynn, Ram, and Tron are teamed up against Sark and two unnamed goons in a light cycle match. And uh, at this point, Flynn has adapted to life in the system, so he knows all the moves. And he's able to make one of the unnamed goons smash into a wall, creating a crack that Flynn, Ram, and Tron are able to escape out of. So they break free of the game, and I presumed... I say presumed pursued by uh, these weird crane ships and tanks. The chase ends with their uh, light cycles being destroyed in an attack that also uh, mortally wounds Ram and and leaves Tron thinking that both both of them have died. And this is. This is as far as I made it, totally following the plot. At this point, I started having trouble keeping track of what was going on.
0: Just a series of adventures? Because, because
2: we're, we're now following two different groups of characters in cyberspace. So Flynn figures out that he has, because he's a user and not just a program, he can use his programming knowledge to sort of influence the world around him. So he reveals his identity as a user to Ram, which makes him happy when he dies. Uh, and then our old friend Bit shows up for no reason and just goes yes, yes. And I feel like it leaves after that. So whatever.
0: Dude, I found an app on the App Store. Where you can download Bit, the character, and like <laughs> at, and like shake it like a magic eight ball, and I assume you'll say yes or no. <laughs> say yes or no. Should I get the, I'm going to get it right now. I was just playing a light cycle app um, on my phone, and it was way too scary. It was okay. It wasn't <sighs> terrible.
2: Isn't it just like playing that old cell phone game Snake, but with a second player? Yeah, but I was
0: playing it from a confusing perspective. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to download the Bit app. It's got five stars in the app store, in the app store guys. So, uh, highly recommend it, even though I haven't gotten it yet.
2: <laughs> yes. What if it's accidentally a Tron Legacy spoiler? Be careful.
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, what am I doing here? Do I ask Bit a question? What should I ask Bit?
2: Um, Is this the best episode of our podcast so far? Bit,
0: is this the best episode of our podcast? Okay. Uh, b- b- he said no, but I'm going to um, uh Bit, is this going to be a good a good episode of, of the pod... Oh, fuck. Hold on. Sorry, guys. <laughs>
2: I think we all know the answer and This is going to be a
0: good episode <laughs> Yeah he said yes Did you hear that well, Bit, Are good. you are you my friend Yeah see um, Bit is this Bit getting old Oh it's- <laughs> he says no It's gotta <laughs> getting even better
1: going. Let's just have Bit uh, host the rest of the episode
0: <laughs> Bit do you want to continue on With us through the rest of the podcast <laughs> Oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> He said yes Uh, Well, how about you go and do something else for a little bit? Oh, (laughs) he said no! Okay, guys, he's getting too powerful. I gotta put this away. I don't know if any of that caught on my mic, but I love Bit. That's my favorite thing now.
2: Meanwhile, Tron uh, goes and finds a group of programs and plucks out of their number Yori who is Laura's character? Um, I don't. I, I think we said before the programs look like the users who programmed them, which is why Tron looks like Alan, and Clue looked like Flynn, and so I guess there's this is some program involved in the Laser Project that Laura had designed, uh, who also is of the belief that users are to be worshipped and not subjugated like Master Control thinks um so she teams up with tron but again you got to kind of read all of that between the lines because what you see in the movie is tron goes to a place and just grabs a lady and she's like i'm into this
0: yeah it really feels like more of just an excuse to have like a female love interest <laughs>
2: <laughs> or even just to bring laura back into the movie because we haven't seen her in 20 minutes
0: i was surprised how like i figured laura and Alan would be doing a bunch of stuff on the outside but not as much as I thought. They're doing some stuff, but they're not as important to the story as I thought and, they And did. their big
2: pivotal moment they're off-screen for, which yeah. is Tron and Yori find Dumont, who is uh, Dr. Gregg's, or whatever you said. Oh, yeah. His program, uh, which <laughs> is, for some reason, an old man who's, <laughs> who's from the waist up, Uh, only, his lower half is submerged in a pyramid and he's just like puttering around (laughs) uh, He has a penis hat He has a a bulge hat Uh
0: What is that hat? Like we saw in the featurette on Disney Plus that it was too hard to try to color the hair so that's why everyone wears helmets Mm -hmm. but why did they go so big for his helmet? I guess just to show how important he was (laughs) I was a little confused on... So he was a guardian? What the hell is that? (sighs) See, it's stuff like that. We're like, what is this? What is this guy? Is this antivirus
2: software? (laughs) All we can tell is that right behind him is a thing that Tron is able to put his information disk into, where it flies up in the sky, and it comes back down, and somehow... What happened there is that Alan and Laura were able to write information into the information disk Mm -hmm. that will allow Tron to destroy Master Control if he can throw his disk into Master Control. But again, we don't see the humans, and it's not really explained how that happened or what Dumont's role in all of this was. He's just like, I guess, a sympathetic old man program.
0: We'll have them in our (laughs) computers.
2: Um, so Sark is pursuing them. He he kidnaps Dumont and tortures him. Nobody cares. Um, but they take him out of the pyramid, which I think is like, come on, that pyramid's where he lives. I, I, I didn't want to. See I was really disappointed to find out that,
0: wasn't his, that it was in his body. Yeah,
2: why do you have to ruin that for me? Um, but Tron and Yori are able to steal the solar sailor from the battleship that Sark lives on and that's when um, Flynn who's also escaping in a stolen vehicle uh, is able to rejoin the group and he reveals to the duo that he's a user and he uses his powers to move their solar sailor from one line to another line all very weird, but kind yeah. of exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the solar sailor is destroyed, and Flynn and Yuri are captured, and Tron is seemingly killed. Oh my god, at this point you're like, why is this movie called Tron, if he's just Flynn's friend who dies, right? Call us that what you were like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: exactly what I said to myself. I always you... n- narrate what I'm feeling When I'm watching <laughs> movies by the Do way. you
0: think this movie was always Meant to be called Tron from the beginning Or do you think they're like oh god what the hell do we call it We can't call it cyberspace
1: <laughs> I mean the <laughs> way even... it It seemed like it was always called Tron Just cause I guess it was such a cool name Cause of Electron But like
0: they never even designate that That world has a name It's just the computer
2: Yeah, yeah. But you know, when Flynn gets back to his world, he's just a guy again. I mean, he becomes a CEO immediately for no reason.
0: <laughs> I like it when, like, in movies when, like, the bad guy that gets caught and the good guy gets his job,
1: he gets to be
2: Yeah. That's he gets a, his job get and all his money.
1: <laughs> so real life works.
2: But Tron, man, he's, like, the hero. Because, check this out, as just as everything looks bad and... Master is going to do some fucked up shit. And this is, by the, by the way, the first time we see what Master Control actually is. He's so good. He, how would you even describe what Come he on, is? Oh,
0: describe Master Control.
1: Oh, God. He's like a giant uh, tube with a face that's also, <laughs> that's... like, kind of a, a pointy on the bottom. Also, yeah, there like are moments earlier in the movie where you kind of see uh, Sartre talking to... Uh, master computer, but you only see like the inside of his super pixelated face. Like, yeah, talking back to him.
2: I think that's really funny that they they that Sark talks to Master Control from inside of Master Control's head. Yeah. So you see his eyes and mouth from like from like his brain's point of view. If it was a human <laughs> head.
0: Also, he spins
2: a lot. He spins a lot, yes. like a top.
0: Oh, and he's played by David Warner. David Warner playing triple duty. Triple here, duty man, playing uh, three roles. It, though I guess one of his characters is just the same character in a different costume. But still, man, he had to be on multiple
2: sets. He has to have conversations <laughs> with himself multiple times. Yeah,
0: he's all the bad guys. Every, every other bad guy is some unnamed doofus in, the, in a cardboard box.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's all the villains, basically.
2: Um, so Flynn and Yuri are kind of hopeless, uh, facing master control. But Tron appears and he takes on Sark in a one-on-one flying disc duel, which is fucking sweet. That's pretty good. I don't, I don't know if this will make the edit, because it was while you were offline, but I was talking with John. I was totally satisfied with the amount of disc combat in this movie. <laughs> uh, it, I got my fill of it. I did not feel underserved. Uh, you know, you see the first Star Wars movie, there's only one lightsaber fight. you kind of like... Is that all we get for lightsaber fights? Not not the case with Tron.
0: It's kind of surprising that those discs didn't become a popular toy. But I guess the movie wasn't really that that big. It didn't really make... Ugh. It's funny because Tron today is seen as such a landmark film in terms of uh, film technology and science fiction. But it doesn't sound like it made much of a splash back then. I think it was just bad timing. I mean, when you come out the same month is et you know another way more important science fiction film i guess that was the reason but like there's so much merch potential here it's crazy that it it's kind of unfair uh, you know i feel like tron even though i'm i'm it's not the greatest movie i feel like it deserves a lot more than what it got we should we should have all grown up throwing around those little disc memory disc things i mean
2: we we did grow up throwing around frisbees right I mean, is there were really memory that discs, Sean. Not, not
1: cool neon <laughs> light yeah, with
2: like frisbees. Yeah, sweet
0: paint on them. I want one of those.
2: Uh, for me, the biggest surprise of the movie is at the end of this fight, Tron hits Sark in the head with his disc. And he falls on the ground and like digital blood pours out of his head. That was surprisingly brutal yeah. for a Disney movie, right?
1: Yeah. It was supposed to be digital blood I thought it was like sh- like sh- Shrouds of computer chips Falling out of his head
2: <laughs> Okay, maybe I was just misinterpreting The imagery yeah. um, So Here's where Master Control Makes his big mistake Is um, with, with Sark Defeated Master Control still isn't vulnerable to Tron because he's surrounded by shields and Tron has to hit him with his information disc. But for some reason, Master Control decides to take control of Sark's corpse and load it up with all his Master Control powers. (laughs) Um, So Sark comes back to life and he grows gigantic. He's a big boy. But this gives Flynn his opening to use his knowledge of programming to leap inside of Master Control and take down some of his shields. And, uh, he, he's apparently sacrificing his own life, but at the same time, uh, Tron gets the opening he's needed and he throws the information disc and he hits master control and he defeats him using Alan's program. Hooray. I feel like master control probably spins more before he dies. And then the movie ends really
0: fast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and then really, 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 really fast. Uh, Tron and Yori are happy and heroes and they've saved their world Flynn reappears in the physical world a printer prints out that he made all the games cut to the same helicopter is landing but it's daytime and Flynn walks out of it and he's like the CEO Got sunglasses. and Alan and Laura are also up on the roof and they're like hey boss and the movie ends <laughs> done
0: doesn't even end with like one last shot of us just go back into cyberspace
2: it, it really does not seem to set up a sequel. I don't know um, what the hook is for that next one, because it seems pretty case closed, world saved. I guess we'll find out. They could have called it Tron colon Reboot. Dude, this reminds me a lot of... I
0: mean, obviously, it's probably heavily inspired by the show Reboot, which I really like. I feel think, like think Reboot is uh, is tron with a better understanding of computers because it was cl- it made in the internet era if you're not familiar <laughs> with the show reboot check it out it's a canadian cgi show about computer people playing
2: games also a pioneer i think wasn't it the first fully cgi tv show absolutely
0: yeah it totally was this made me think a lot about reboot and maybe want to watch reboot
2: uh, uh it reminded me of a movie too that i wanted to ask you about john mm-hmm. war games yeah is war games better than this
0: yes definitely no offense, Trump
2: <laughs> Um, cause Wargame's also a movie about Uh A hacker kid I mean, Jeff Bridges is not a kid But a hacker <laughs> taking on He was a,
1: compared to how we know Jeff Bridges
2: <laughs> Yeah Taking on a uh, A primitive computer that has Made itself more advanced And is trying to take over Military systems
0: Yeah, I just, it felt higher stakes Uh and I think it just has better characters. That's what it came down mm-hmm. comes down to for me. I really like, yeah, you know, Matthew Roderick and Doctor Falcon or whatever. <laughs> All the Fucking nukes, dude! You yeah. guys, this movie I, I've only I've seen like like seventy five percent of it. I was watching it online once, and then the link I couldn't find the link. After it was, I was really enjoying it. Uh, you guys know the movie *Cloak and Dagger*, no relation to the comic book. It's like about a kid who like likes this like video game with like the secret agent guy and then the kid like actually like goes on a real mission in real life and like has like the secret agent guy as like his imaginary friend Mm -hmm. i think it's his imaginary i could be remembering this way wrong but it's like got a lot of video game stuff in it and it's super sweet and dabney coleman is the super (laughs) spy imaginary friend the slick cool dabney coleman (laughs) isn't dabney coleman also in war games I'm looking. I'm looking up cloak and dagger, which I'm definitely going to pick at
2: some point. <laughs> uh, I hope you're writing down all your future picks. I have so many right now.
0: Oh, and it started Henry Thomas From ET. It's 1984. Nice. Yeah, uh, Demi Coleman was in War Games.
1: Damn,
0: that dude's doing the rounds in the 80s. <laughs> doing a lot better than Bruce Boxleitner. On, Bruce Boxleitner. <laughs> Do you think Bruce Boxleitner for uh, playing the the title character does a good job? Is he a memorable character or actor? No. Yeah, it's not that surprising that he's kind of disappeared.
2: Yeah. I I think uh, the complaints about the characters and the story letting down this amazing visual style are totally fair. Um, but I was lucky enough to be... I, I mean, I also wonder if seeing it in HD, like probably like six restorations past whatever people saw in theaters uh helped because i could just s- submerge myself in this style and just kick back and, and enjoy that mm-hmm. where maybe if i was watching this on a tape 20 years ago i would have been bummed out by how shitty things looked like i have, I have no <laughs> idea how much they fixed this movie up since release
1: it,
0: it looked pretty good when we
2: were it looked it. really good
0: so colin i have to know i haven't seen like your letterbox rating or anything i really want to know where you win on this movie as a whole? Like, if this is entertaining or if you liked it or what? I gotta know.
1: Um, so I gave it three stars on uh, Letterboxd. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think it's fine. <laughs> I think a part of me just wishes the movie was more about the real world, I guess. Or at least I wish there was some sort of, like, correlation between what was happening in the tron world and what was happening in real life i mean like i know obviously because of the ending they had repercussions as far as what they did in taking on the master computer but i never like felt that those were the stakes of the movie i
2: don't know it would have been fun if uh, master control had been able to print out like those guards and put them in the real world and have Alan and Laura have to run from those guards in the real world. Yeah. In, instead of us never seeing them again until the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. Or, or just like, I feel like Dillinger in real life and Sark feel like very different characters to me. Mm-hmm. Like Sark is very, just like taking orders and doing what's asked of him. But Dillinger's way more like scheming and manipulative and seems like your typical, tech company, CEO type guy who's standing on the shoulders of engineers and programmers. Like, there's that one, I don't know, engineer guy who comes do his office and he's like, you exploited everything I did. And, like, I want more of that stuff that's sort of, like, built around early Silicon Valley culture, I suppose. But, like, nobody knew what what was really going on in all these different tech companies in California at the time. So I don't know. I think they were just thinking, let's make a fun movie about computers because those are new and interesting and nobody's made a movie about them. But yeah, uh, the, the, yeah I, I agree that visually it's it's pretty fun to look at still because uh, there isn't really any other feature films that have that look like the combination of black and white and i don't know and neon (laughs) and neon it's just uh it's very distinct and uh i don't know i think on those grounds it's at least uh, a visually interesting film even though uh it could have been better but hey (laughs) they were just kind of making it up as they went along yeah Totally, it's not easy innovating.
2: <laughs>
0: I also gave it three stars, which I guess is quite um, an improvement from the kid who turned off the t- the DVD or tape or whatever back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, I guess the thing is like I'm not bored because, uh, and I was still a little, I was still a little bored this this time watching it. Uh, you know, I love all the, all the artistry, the ambition behind it. That's mainly where most of my points go. That stuff is really cool. This is a really cool looking movie. And it's really creative. But it's not that I think the things they're doing in this in Cyrus are boring. It's that, I feel so detached and not understanding their world. Like, like I was saying earlier, I'm always like, "Well, what's this guy's a like the guardian? What's the guardian like? What's this program? What's this guy? Why, why is he hanging out this bank program? Why are they drinking energy juice? <laughs> Remember the part where they drink from the the water that is like, this is the energy. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> that was weird. It's
0: stuff like that. I was like, okay, yeah, it's kind of fun, but like, I don't really see, like, I don't really get why it's like. I get that it helps them feel better, but I don't feel like I understand what their existence is like enough for me to really get invested. I feel really detached. Uh, it's hard for me to relate to these program people. I mean, we. It, it is nice that we have Flynn because he's like a cool guy and he's fun to have as like our guide into this world. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. But I was never really that interested in Tron the character or. Or RAM, big fan of Bit though. Bit's my my guy. Yes, I know. He's now my best friend on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, props there. But yeah, I think it's just it's a really interesting um, artistic uh, film. But yeah, in terms of story, it's just I don't know. If it's funny that like a movie that seems like it's trying to really push uh, the envelope in, in terms of its exploration of technology feels so quaint. Like, it almost, it does so much that it makes it feel more quaint and dated than other movies from the same time period.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's also what I was kind of getting at with, like, I don't know how much the effects have been changed. Yeah. Because when you, like, you can still see, like, sometimes someone get, gets knocked back and, like, the light moves around and it's not, it just, it, it's very obviously not a perfect glowing effect like you'd see nowadays. Yeah which is so funny because it's like it's pioneering and, and, uh, and surely a very expensive effects, but they, they kind of look like kind of shitty and janky. It's, (laughs) it's, it's so unusual. I think it's probably very hard to replicate what they did here. And, uh, I don't know. It makes me really want to see the sequel, but, uh, before we wrap up this conversation or before we get to John's goofs, at least, um, There's one question I want to ask you guys. If you were gonna get sucked into a video game and live in that world, (laughs) what video game world would you want to live in? I'll I'll go first because it kind of gave it away. I think Pokemon for me—that's the the video game world I'd like to get sucked into.
0: So when you say live in this world, how long are we talking?
2: Um, like, like maybe you'll never come back. (laughs) Maybe you'll never come back.
1: (laughs) Okay, so it's got to be something with a lot in it, huh? Um.
0: Well, you know, maybe The Sims.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you could be a doctor in like three days, right?
2: Yeah, but what if you're the only one who speaks English and everyone else just goes, I'll
1: get used to it. I'll pick it up. I'll <laughs> learn how to
2: speak their language. You're going to yeah, learn Sims? I'll learn.
1: Yeah.
2: They got you books. Know. <laughs> I'll
0: just. I'll still have fun, you know, I'll be having dance parties, I'll be ordering pizza and putting the boxes (laughs) on the ground and get on the wrong side of the bed and get trapped and pee my pants and Mm -hmm. launch fireworks in my house and blow it up and see the Grim Reaper and you know,
2: yeah. Go upstairs and then the stairs disappear and you're just stuck upstairs for the rest of your life. I am afraid of the the potential glitches that become endless nightmares. (laughs)
0: But also, man, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to meet people on The Sims. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have a, 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 little, a,
2: little, similar, a little Sim. Similar. I don't like how creepy John's has gotten. Colin, do you have a video game you'd like to live in?
1: Um... Burger time. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Are you are you the chef or you just a customer? I'm just. I'm. "Hmm, What would be? (laughs) What's at the bottom of this? Like when you put the burger together, at the bottom of the screen, does it go somewhere? Does it go to someone? wait burger Times when you're running around right you're running around and the like the layers of the burger keep going down a lot. okay i was getting
0: confused with the one where you like send the beers across I root beer or whatever oh totally different game that's yeah. one where you're like sh- sending them down to yeah. like a long I, bar counter i think burger, burger time's
2: more of like a running around that'd be a horrifying reality to live in because you you've got to be constantly moving yeah like, Get yeah ya.
1: Or else, hot dogs will kill you. Those hot
2: dogs kick your ass. Well, you I don't know.
0: want to live in a world where hot dogs can kill me.
2: You don't have to. You get to live with your gibberish-speaking Sim family. Oh,
1: the debody.
2: That's it's, what I'll say every morning.
1: It's better than a world where you could get like trapped in a four by four by four room and just like piss yourself to death. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll take my chances, man. I will take my chances.
2: So, John, do you have any John's Goofs this week? Goofs page is pretty bad for Tron. Uh,
0: what do we got? What do we got? <laughs> I usually like to... Now I'm getting into picking out the ones that I think suck, so we can kind of be like, well, this <laughs> is so stupid. You know what I've learned? I didn't really know this, and maybe this is common knowledge to most people. Until we started doing this podcast... If you find a goof on IMDb that includes the phrase, are we to believe, it's probably a really bad goof. And it's probably bullshit. Yeah,
1: Yeah, because the thing about movies is they're fiction. Are we to believe? Okay, no one, I I control F, no, there's no one said are we to believe in the Tron. The
0: Tron goofs look fairly civil. Uh, This one's stupid. Uh, towards the end of the film, one short sequence involving enemy craft is rendered entirely in traditional cell animation using a bright cartoon style that is charmingly different from anything
2: else in the movie. I really liked that part. Oh, they it.
0: accidentally animated something. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was just drawn and, like, whoops, I did actually drew this yeah. in the
2: movie. Oh, yeah. I was engaging with it as criticism, but you're right. That's not a goof. <laughs> <laughs> one out of two found this interesting. Does that mean the other one did? <laughs>
1: saying like in the spider-man movie it's just a guy wearing a spider-man suit but in another scene he's a cg spider-man <laughs> alright guys <laughs> I'm adding a new segment to John Scoops. I-, I do have an IMD profile am I going to say
2: this is interesting or this is not interesting I have the power this one's 50-50 right you can tip the scales I think if I do it it'll officially not be interesting I think you gotta make it not interesting no no
0: Ooh, oh, I feel so bad. I found this uninteresting. I feel bad that I did that, but it sucks. It's not a goof.
2: It's not a goof. It's a criticism. Leave
0: Tron alone. Yeah, most of these Oh there's the uh, when Alan walks to Dillinger's office at the beginning, the sounds of the footsteps do not match Alan's steps. Okay. There you go. That's the top goof on, the, <laughs> top on goof. Tron. <laughs> wow. Flawless movie, yeah, otherwise. Fucking nailed it. Good job, Steve. Steve Lisberger. Nailed it. <laughs> Oh, and they're called identity disks. I I kept calling them memory disks earlier. I wanted to make sure. I'm on Tron uh, Wiki. Also, light disks. I wanted to make sure I was calling them the right thing.
2: Light disks, not light cycles?
0: The the disks, the the, the Frisbees.
2: I thought you said they were called information disks.
0: They're called identity disks.
2: Identity disks.
0: That's the name. That's what they're actually called, at least according to this. So what's a light
2: disk? It's another name for it. So it has two names. Two names. And we... Came up with two other names yeah, we For the whole them. podcast Yeah we, we
0: never called them the right thing we We're close <laughs> I want one of these These are cool Alright And now we're on to my pick We have nothing else I, guess. I think so
2: uh,
0: I, I know how Sean's going to feel about this I don't know how Colin's going to feel about this We've been watching Disney Plus stuff I want to pick a Disney Plus thing too and I don't want to get worn out on this But I feel like it's the best time to do it I'm going to pick Tron Legacy <laughs> Fucking yes <laughs> see, I can tell God from his <laughs> The thing is is like I've always wanted to see it Because it seems like it was a pretty kind of It was like a hyped movie Like There's people that were big fans of it And they're like it's actually really good It has an amazing Daft Punk soundtrack But I never saw it I don't think any of us saw it I don't know <laughs> why that is I guess not enough people really cared about the original Tron Like we're those people I'm not sure if I'm that excited to go back
2: into the role of Tron, but I just
0: I feel like this is a favorite for a lot of people and I want to see how it compares to the one we just
2: watched. Oh man, I'm so stoked, but I'm also like I could have watched that tonight, you know, but now I got to wait until You have to, we're, to wait at least till like next ready. weekend.
1: He could still watch it tonight. <laughs> Do you want to be fresh? Is that the problem?
0: You can just watch it, Sean, and watch it again with me. Keep watching and spoil the movie as we watch it. Every scene before spoil
2: it. I'll just pause it and tell you what's going to happen. You're you're
1: gonna—you'll
0: be like, "Are we to believe?" (laughs) Sorry, Colin.
1: Oh, it's all right. I mean, I am very mildly interested to see. Very
0: mildly (laughs) interested. Yes. Almost to the point where you're just straight up
1: interested. Ugh, almost.
0: <laughs> Not quite, though.
1: Not quite, because I just feel like I got my fill of Tron, but, you know, might as well get it out of the way instead of watching this, like, five years later or never. So,
2: I'm going to make a prediction. Yeah. Yeah. Tron will be in the movie, but it will be archive footage. We're not going to have new Tron footage.
0: I'm going, ooh, this is tough, because I think you can go two different ways. I think you can have Alan just as his real live-action self, or they will also de-age Bruce Boxleitner. Even though I've never heard about that, like I know everyone talks about how Jeff Bridges was de-aged. He has like a de-aged version of him. I assume it's Clue or something in in this movie. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there's de-aged Tron in this movie as well.
2: I'm basing it just on the fact that it's called Tron Legacy, so they have that built-in out right there of like people picking up where Tron left.
0: It'll be interesting. I don't want to. I don't. It's funny. I don't have any spoilers for that, even though this movie's been out for like nine years. No (laughs) idea what it's about,
2: except that, like you said, young Jeff Bridges. You know, and
0: and this movie wasn't super easy to watch until now, so it's kind of it's kind of nice you know another perk at disney plus it's gonna be hard not to pick disney plus stuff for the next couple of picks. i feel like i gotta
2: pick a criterion channel movie next time just to make up for this
0: well i don't think after that i don't think i have another pick till christmas so i'm definitely gonna pick some oh christmas shit stuff yeah so it's just gonna be
2: christmas stuff deal with it it's fun I'm calling to pick something fancy no doubt Fancy Constable, Christmas?
0: concept a lot of kids' movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I really want to pick a very adult film next time. I'll just pick a porno. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to watch Deep Throat. Yeah.
2: It's, a, it's about time.
0: That was like a big hit for porn. Yeah. Excited for oh. it.
2: There's that one, and there's Debbie Does Dallas. Yeah, another right? Those they're... Are like the.
0: Big, big hit there's not enough big hit porn the movies big anymore hit porn. Where's, where's our porn streaming service right where's netdix
2: yeah it's so hard to find porn online <laughs> what are you talking about John? I'm talking about a
0: database of porn features John.
2: of just oh, of just like old feature film like theatrical release yeah. porn
0: classic porn yeah there's like a Ron Jeremy section
1: Don Holmes <sighs> All the classics. Well, Anal Instinct is a movie I've heard of.
2: <laughs> Gross, man. <laughs> is that like a Basic Instinct thing?
1: Yeah, it's a. It's kind of like a. It's kind of like a parody.
0: It's like a reimagining. <laughs> like the Wiz.
2: <laughs> like the Wiz. Um. <laughs> I don't know how this segues into our website. I guess if you're uh, just searching for things online, maybe try going to MildlyPlease.com. Uh, or if you're just or... like
1: looking at porn all day and you want to take a break, It's yeah. a little more wholesome.
2: You can also find more of our podcasts on iTunes by searching for Mildly Pleased or other podcasting services too. Uh, no judgment if you're um, using something else. I know Apple keeps making their apps worse and people don't like that. And uh, Sometimes you got to choose somebody The fight's for the user. Bit, was this a good episode? Oh, he said no. (laughs) End of line.